0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Martinez gets the shotgun snap, has plenty of time. Holding, holding, looking, throwing deep downfield, has Spielman open at the 25. He's got a 20, 15, jukes the defender, 10, 5, touchdown Nebraska!
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our Thursday night show of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. You're one day closer to your next weekend. And we're one day closer to Husker football taking the field again. Saturday night, the Big Red will take on the Northern Illinois Huskies, who came into Memorial Stadium two years ago and beat the Big Red. Here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Head coach Scott Frost met with the media late this morning after the Huskers walkthrough today. We'll hear his thoughts about the week, about the kicking position, about getting ready to play a Husky team that's quite honestly kind of dangerous. They don't have one of those great college football names, but they're a pretty solid football program that's going to be here over the weekend. We'll hear the head coach's thoughts about that. Hour number two, it is our Nebraska football show for the week. Offensive line coach Greg Austin will be here to take your phone calls and questions. A lot to talk about with Coach Austin. The line has been, to quote Troy Walters, Average for the first two weeks. What does the offensive line coach think about that group and where are they headed? We'll get into all that coming up in hour number two. Third hour of the show, a chance to sit down with Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. We do that each and every Thursday night. And we're going to hear from the head baseball coach of the Huskers, Will Bolt. Fall ball began today for the Big Red. The new Husker head coach had them out there at Haymarket Park today. Ben was over there, had a chance to talk to Will. We'll uh, hear what his thoughts about this upcoming season are coming up in hour number three. And as always, phone lines are open and available to you at 866 husker one eight six six four eight seven five three seven one. Well, 48 hours or 49, distance out of 49 hours from kickoff for this Husker football team to get back out there. By all accounts from the head coach today, been a pretty good week. Guys have responded pretty well from the loss. I hope that's the case. This team's
2: going to need to be ready to play, aren't they, on Saturday? Yeah, boy, they. as I've been saying all week, it doesn't even really matter who they play against. They have to take care of their own business and you know, prove to themselves that they're a winning football team and get that losing culture out of here. And, and as I've said multiple times this week, Northern Illinois just happens to be the next team on the schedule. Now they're going to give Nebraska all they want on Saturday night, or at least that's what I'm expecting Um, You know, they got to come through and and play well, execute, and, you know, play four good quarters of football. That's one thing that we didn't see against Colorado. We got 75% the way there, need to go the whole way this time. I think this team has potential to be better than what we've
1: seen the first two weeks. I think the head coaches agree with that. I think they they realize that offensively they have been um, okay at times, and maybe I keep using the word uneven, Ben, but that's how I kind of view their performance. There have been really good drives, really good mix. Those opening drives of both the South Alabama game and the Colorado game were really fun to watch. But then the next couple weren't so good. So it's just been, you know, it's there because you've seen it happen. But it just has not been consistent week in and week out. And really through two games. For the most part, I'm encouraged by the defense. And I know the fourth quarter was a disaster for the Husker Blackshirts, but I've seen enough from that defense that I think week in and week out, that can be a pretty solid group that Nebraska runs out there on that side of the ball week in and week out.
2: Yeah, in regards to the offense, I think that's, that's what you get when you have this type of offense. You know, when you yeah. when you run this style, and, and we knew that, that, that this was going to be the case, it's going to look really, really pretty when it's working. And it's going to look like there's there's nobody that can stop it, but when it's not working, it's going to look clunky. It's going to look out of rhythm. Uh, it's going to be, you know, not the prettiest thing to watch. And we've seen both uh, of those already. And now I think becoming more consistent is is the ultimate goal, and that's that's the obvious thing to say. You know, you want to be consistent defensively. You know, I think we are really yet to see, you know, a four quarter effort out of Coach Shenander's team, uh, arguably against South Alabama. You, you can make that that case. But, you know, I think we're starting to see – it's take, my point is it's taken the defense a little longer to identify with what we want to see out of them and, and what we can expect to see in the style of defense that Coach Shenander wants to play. The very aggressive, um, you know, blitzing, attacking, takeaways, sacks, TFLs, Uh, But the occasional big play, and that's one thing that you have to try and eliminate when you're playing that that style of defense is you eliminate the big play. And, unfortunately, Colorado had a a few of those, and that ended up being the difference in the game. But, you know, I'm with you. I think this defense has some pretty good potential. That defensive line, I've not, not come off that. I like that group. I've liked
1: them since I started watching them work out in August. I think they've re- even shown that in the first two games. i that both Davis twins played ex- exceptionally well out in Boulder last week, and I'm, I know they're going to be ready to go on Saturday night against Northern Illinois. All right, now, it's time for tonight's practice report.
3: Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it.
2: It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice reports brought to you by J Tech Construction. Time to replace your roof? Call J Tech Construction the official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate. J tech construction is a family owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha and grand Island. Coach Frost turned with the media, uh, as is always the case on Thursday started out generically talking about this week of practice.
3: It was a good week. I love how our guys responded, came back. Um, they, they improved big time this week in practice on both sides of the ball. I saw more attention to detail, more, uh, effort to make stuff work, uh, really good week of practice and I feel great about where we are
2: yeah I mean uh, the general improvement we've we've heard what a bad week of practice does to the result on Saturdays so I I would rather hear (laughs) good than bad and we'll see how it translates this week hopefully it, it was that way for this team this
1: week they certainly needed it and I'm not surprised I think there's some pretty good character on this football team
2: that they can put that behind them and get going ball security has but crept up at times with Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez had a big fumble in the second drive of the game against Colorado. Coach Frost addressed that issue today.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to make a story where it's not, isn't like he's turned it over 20 times. So uh, to me, it's not a an issue, um, but I also don't want it to become an issue. We, we, we preach ball security all the time and take care of the football and the importance of the turnover margin. Uh, when you win it, you win. When you don't win the turnover battle, got a good chance of not winning so we stressed it just as much or more than ever this week and we got to take care of the football
2: yeah I mean uh, it's just the timing the timing of the turnovers you know something that you know the big fumble that that led to a field goal and the fumble that uh, took points off the board early in the game Uh, turnovers always hurt but Timing of them is is very important as well. I I don't consider Adrian a
1: fumbler. Do you? I mean, I think both those were pretty hard hits and slapping down on the arms. It got the ball out. Sack
2: fumbles, pretty common
1: thing. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know that I worry about him so much now. The one he was running when he got up ended and came down hard and the ball popped
2: out. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. I hope not. Yeah. Well, the big story of the week has been Nebraska's kicker situation and the rumors of Nebraska dipping into the club soccer team. Uh, Coach Frost was pressed on that today.
3: We didn't hold an open tryout for kickers. We we called the uh, club soccer team to see if they had any kids that had done it before. Uh, Going into last week, we had both of our kickers with minor injuries. We didn't know who was going to be able to kick. Uh, Isaac was even banged up a little. Somebody told me that had been here that Alex Henry actually came off the club soccer team. So um, we had some kids come and, and try out for us, and we're, we're going to give at least one of them a, a shot to work on it and see what he can give us, uh, if nothing else, some, maybe some kickoffs through the end zone.
2: So keep an eye on the, the kicker situation for Nebraska. It seems to be a, a fluid deal, but as long as he's healthy, Isaac Armstrong's going to be the guy. came out yesterday that neither
1: Barrett Pickering or Dylan Jorgensen were in uniform. For yesterday's practice, so yeah, you're it's skimpy. It's just crazy that we're having this conversation. I don't know that he's got his story quite right, Ben. I think Alex Henry decided to walk on to Nebraska and turn down, I believe, it was a scholarship to play soccer at Creighton. And I think Alex decided to come here and play football. By the way, Alex going to the Nebraska Football Hall
2: of Fame this weekend, so he's going you're going to see him on the field yeah. this weekend. That'll be cool. Yeah, it would be nice to see him again for sure. What about the other side of the ball? Pressure defensively and how they want to dial that up. Coach Frost dipping his toe on the defensive side today.
3: Sure. You know, I've been in the games where we're underdogs and not supposed to win, and you want to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the other team. So our defense needs to be ready for that. Obviously, we didn't play. Uh, a couple trick tricks from gadget plays very well last week. So we got to be situationally aware and, and ready for anything they throw at us.
2: One of the other big stories offensively has been getting more receivers involved and getting the ball in some other guys' hands. And uh, C- Coach Walters was asked about that. And now Coach Frost was asked about that.
3: I think we need to play more guys early on to make sure the guys are fresh at the end of the game. And, and we've talked about that. Uh, we got some guys that are, are close to being ready. We just got to let them get out there and, Um, learn on the fly. Um, Otherwise we just we just got to get open and and make sure the ball finds us and I you know it's an anomaly to me that a couple of those guys haven't had seen a ball yet but um, that can't keep up. Um, It's inevitable that the ball is going to get to them and they need to make plays when it happens.
2: Based on what I know about Coach Frost's offense, I would agree completely that it's kind of an anomaly that the ball hasn't found more guys' hands, specifically Conor Vinoa and Mike Williams. Those guys have been on the field a lot. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just irony, I think, at this point. Well, you know, we talked about this
1: last night on the show that you go back to week one, South Alabama's second half, only 17 snaps for the entire offense for the entire half. And then in the third quarter against Colorado, only one first down. So there were very few snaps in the third quarter last week as well. So that's three of your eight quarters. You just you haven't had the football very much. So we need to possess the ball more than we have been. And uh, I think that will that will even out as we move this
2: thing through the season. Two guys that have been on the field a lot, and Nebraska has tried to get the ball too, is Maurice Washington and freshman Wandale Robinson. Coach Frost talked about giving them the ball and what they can do with it
3: yeah you know we we need to get him the ball i mean you can see it pretty clearly that good things happen when the ball's in maurice's hands good things happen when the ball's in wandale's hands Um, we need to get other guys involved but we need to create any way we can to get those two guys with the ball and uh, if we're not getting one of them enough touches then we got to manufacture it and and allow them to make the plays that they're capable of
2: we've seen what both of them can do with the ball in their hands i I thought Wandale was going to pop the one for, for a touchdown where he juked a guy out of his shorts and ended up getting caught from behind. But he's, I mean, he is a dynamic playmaker. And the drop? Yeah. I don't know if he scores. Yeah, Probably he, not, but that could have been a big play too. Heard footsteps, saw the safety coming, and, right. and just lost his concentration. But he has been very versatile this year, lining up in the backfield in the slot. Coach Frost talked about how they can use him.
3: Down the road, I think you're just going to be able to put him in wherever you want to and let him run the offense. Um, yeah, his first year, you know, he, he's doing really well, but it's hard to just move him and mix him and match him. Um, so, so we got to be smart with how we use him. Um, but he's capable of, of doing both. Uh, it's it's just hard to overload load him with three different positions right now. And the more time goes by, I think the more we're going to be able to utilize him because of his familiarity with what we're doing
2: can be easy to just say that you know put him here 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 and right. give him the ball and I mean he was just he just played his first college road game on Saturday so yes he's a he's a spark plug he's electrifying but let's let him get his feet wet before you know we we ask him to to do anything and everything
1: you've talked to him a couple different times now interviews after some games
2: and pregame interviews fairly mature kid and he for just being a freshman doesn't seem like much phases of, right you know and you know he he's very confident in his abilities and that was a big reason why he wanted to come here was to to take part in this style of offense play for coach frost play with adrian martinez and you know his, his family's supporting the heck out of him and i think husker fans have been loving him up pretty good so he's in a good situation and he's not scared he doesn't really back down and and, and from what I can gather from talking with him, he's a dude that just loves to play football. And, and that was something that we knew the coaches were looking for when they were recruiting. Uh, one other part to this, freshman part to this offense, has been the center and, and Cam Jurgens, who had a much better day snapping the football. And, and I think just overall a better game against Colorado. Coach Frost once again talked about a center.
3: Yeah, Cam's a stud, Uh, you know, he's getting closer to 100% healthy. I don't think he's been 100% yet, but every week that goes by, he feels better. Um, You gotta remember too, he's playing his third football game at Nebraska and didn't play a lot late in his career in high school. So um, I love where he's headed. Uh, There's just a learning curve with him and a lot of other uh, of our young guys.
2: I would. I would definitely say there's a learning curve. His snaps were good at, at times. I, I watched him on film very closely when I watched the game back. Uh, play after play, my eyes were on him. Even backed it up a few times when – when the on the other side when he did get lost you know looking at what his assignments should have been I'm looking forward to hearing from coach Austin just about that you know how how comfortable he is with his assignments and uh, assignment and alignment right you know who's in front of him who is he supposed to get when they're blitzing what's his responsibility when is he supposed to you know chip and get to the second level you know those types of things that's going to come more and more the more reps that he gets but uh, he's definitely shown in my opinion you go back and watch a few of the plays how dominant he can be up front I mean there are plays when he's moving guys three four five yards off the line of scrimmage the
1: the snapping was night and day better now I know that the third down snap in overtime was low I, I get that but that was about the only snap I remember that wasn't yeah. right on the money and I don't I, I don't have the luxury unless I go back and watch tape of watching him
2: live because I have to follow the ball but my impression was he played pretty good football game last week. Yeah, and hard to tell too when you go. You have to go back and, and single guys out on the offensive line when you watch the game to really get a sense of how they played. You mentioned the overtime and a lot of calls and critique, criticism of the play calling Nebraska had uh, in overtime. Coach Frost just talked about play calling here today.
3: We've been in too many situations early on in the year where we, we're trying to pick a perfect play. and. Uh, when you're behind the chains and not in a rhythm that's what happens Um, and that's not really who we are so we got to be better on first down um, and we got to got to stick to what we know and what what we can do well and what the guys know and can do well and uh, the key to that's having good first downs having good second downs uh, so we're not in situations where we're you know these guys saturday are gonna Stand six or seven guys up in the line of scrimmage and be coming from every direction on third and long. So as many third and longs as we can stay out of, the better off we are.
2: When he said this this morning, there was a, a fair amount of comments coming from this. And, you know, to me, I interpret it as, you know, why wouldn't you, if you're a coach, try and pick the perfect play, you know, offensively, particularly offensively? So for people that are, you know, criticizing him for that and saying it's coach speak, put yourself in his shoes. You know, when it's second and 14, you're not just going, okay, this play second and long, we're going to roll with that. You know, if I if I'm not, but if I was a coach, I would be working through so many scenarios in my head and and so many tendencies in my head i would be doing the same thing trying to find the perfect play you only get i mean especially getting 17 snaps to on offense last week or the week before i'm making dang sure the 17 plays that i call are are good ones right so i don't blame him at all for that answer
1: no and and that's i mean i think i think what he's also trying to say is that maybe there were other times he, he may be thinking much We may all think zero in and say he's talking about the overtime play calling out there. And I don't know that he really was necessarily. I think he's talking about maybe his entire second half play calls, what he was trying to get done there a little bit. So play call it. Every play caller has ever had it has been criticized. Tom Osborne was heavily criticized
2: when he was the play caller for Husker football. It just comes with the territory. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one more part uh, we should address. Today at practice was Nebraska running back Dedrick Mills. Coach Frost talked about his uh, transfer tailback.
3: Dedrick's gotten some chances. I, I think, you know, game one, I don't think there was a lot for him to work with. A uh, couple little detail things where he's missed a couple cuts that he won't miss once he gets more familiar. Um, I, I still expect great things out of him this year. He's going to be a big part of what we're doing uh, tomorrow and beyond, or Saturday and beyond.
2: Sure hope so. Hope he finds his ground a little bit, pops a couple big ones, and cracked the century mark. I mean, something to to prove that, you know, this is his spot and, and, you know, he belongs getting the carries. I've done a couple of, as have you,
1: radio shows on affiliates and throughout the state the last couple of days. And the one question I keep getting is, well, what, what can happen for this offense? To me, it is to try to establish – a decent running game, a consistent running game where you know you're going to get four or five yards on this particular player, or that particular play. That'll go a long ways in settling down a team when, when the seas get a little rocky during the game or at the end of the game when you're trying to run it out, when you're trying to milk the clock a little bit. You've got to be able to run the ball. And so far, we've not seen that consistency in weeks one or two. Long way to go.
2: So Mills, to me, is a big part of just doing that. Yeah, one of the things I was asked today about the running game is, or I s- s- said about the running game, you can't just give the ball to Maurice Washington and say sprint to the sideline and score. You oh. can't just do that. No, you got to find a way to run between the tackles, get a few first downs, get a few big ones. That's fine if you take your two, three, four yard gains doing that in the first quarter. But by the fourth quarter, you should, if you're doing that, you should be getting some ten and twelve yarders too. Because if you can't run the ball up the middle, Ben then the safeties can
1: spread out more and cover your weapons on the outside. If they have to stay closer to the box and defend the the interior running game, that gives Wandale and J.D. and Conovino more room to operate out there if they're not having a second
2: defender leak over and cover them. Yeah, I mean, it it keeps them in the middle of the field to a certain extent. And, you know, the nickelback for Colorado – Played a hell of a football he game. Did. That Taylor Kid, yeah, he was good. unbelievable. He was everywhere. He was blowing up plays on the edge. He was shedding blocks. He was tackling guys for loss. He was setting the edge. I mean, that was the same kid that was running his mouth about Adrian Martinez. Well, he backed it up on Saturday. Yeah. He played an unbelievable football game. In my opinion, was the MVP for Colorado defensively last Saturday, and he could play like that because the lack of success Nebraska had running between the tackles. Right.
0: Tonight, it's the Nebraska football show, right here on the Husker Sports
1: Network. Martinez gets the shotgun snap, has plenty of time, holding, holding, looking, throwing deep downfield. Has Spielman open at the 25. He's got it at the 20, 15. Jukes a defender, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska!
0: A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program.
1: Two tight ends and a wide receiver to the near side. Throw it out the flat to Maurice Washington. Blockers out in front. He gets to the 30, 35, 40. He's got a seam.
4: 50, 40, 35,
1: 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska! That's a way to answer that Colorado play right there.
0: Tonight, offensive line coach Greg Austin.
1: Fourth and a half yard at the 6 of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Pulsome Field.
0: Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at Channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at BuyFordNow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome, Eric. To the Nebraska football show for the week. Offensive line coach Craig Austin with us for the next hour. Here are the numbers. If you want to be a part of the program, 866- OSCAR-1-866-487-5371. We three seven one. We're talking before we started the show, tough one Saturday in Boulder. Uh, how have the guys handled that? How have they responded to get ready for the next week?
5: Handled it well. Um, I think they knew they, f- they needed to flush that. Uh, we had a 24-hour rule you know, regardless of win or lose, um, we got 24 hours to sulk, right, in a loss. And then, um, you know, ride the high wave in a, a win. And um, the guys did a really good job of moving on and um, attacking practice for the week. We had a really good week of practice in preparation for Northern Illinois. It's
1: never as bad as it seems or as good as it seems. When you went back and broke this one down, did you see progress from your opening game? To last week.
5: Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of progress uh, along the front. Um, each player, um, a couple players, um, you know, really got better. Um, and I think we improved on uh, Cam with his snaps. Um, and the other left guard, Trent, uh, did a really good job of uh, making the jump from game one to game two. Uh, we were a more cohesive unit. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not always reflected in the score, uh, but certainly – when you look at the film and you and, and you break it down play by play, you look at the guys and their you know uh, their attention to detail, you know their assignments, um, how they're finishing blocks, etc., etc. You know you're you're excited about the progress, um, but certainly not excited about uh, the way that the game ended and the result.
1: Okay, you got Cam back. Um midway through the August camp or somewhere in that vicinity got him back cleared to play. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't really, he didn't have a full camp to get himself ready to go. And I think we saw some signs of that against South Alabama. What was your approach with him then after the South Alabama game to maybe settle him down a little bit? And and it was, it was drastically better those snaps in week two. What approach did you take with him?
5: You got to keep coaching. You know, um, Cam is, uh, such a, a, a calm guy. Um, you know and he learns well he's very coachable uh, he doesn't make the same mistakes continually um he's been a joy to coach and and certainly a, a a tough kid um so it just goes back to the fundamentals and you know really making him understand all right hey first things first get the ball back to the quarterback you know ball security starts with us as the centers um, we start the play with, with the ball, right? So uh, going back to that fundamental, Cam's been snapping for now going on a year and a half um, since we really started him. Uh, well, actually, it's more a year <laughs> since we started him about this time last year, uh, getting the plan in place for him to tra- make the transition to center. Um, so he knows how to snap. Um, when you have that first game, you got the jitters and you got – Uh, And they were a pretty good front, South Alabama was, uh, with that nose guard. Um, You know, there was a lot of things that he had to deal with, in addition to being the commander uh, of the offensive line. uh, A lot of, you know, uh, responsibility to put on a freshman, a retro freshman at that. Um, So uh, I think that that transition from game one to game two was more inside of his own ears. Um, And, uh, you know, mechanically, we just. We didn't tweak a whole bunch from the snap. We just made an emphasis on, hey, get the ball back to the quarterback. Um, We're not going to make it, you know, a huge deal because it's not a huge deal uh, if if you don't make it one. You've done a good job of getting the ball back to the quarterback the times that you've been in practice. Uh, Let's focus on that uh, first things first, uh, and then let's go and attack the play, whatever play's called.
1: Lay out for everybody, Coach, the duties of the center after this, before even the snap of the football, how many, how, how many calls of the, is the center making to the guys to his right and to his
5: left? Well, the center first has to know the personnel on defense. So um, defense will give you different personnels. We call them base, nickel, dime, um, penny, whatever you want to uh, you know, call the different personnels. But um, he has to know the personnel. Uh, the center has to make the front declaration. Uh, Generally speaking, uh, just in football terms, you have uh, three down spacing fronts, which is odd fronts, and then you have even fronts. Uh, So the center has to make sure that he declares the front so everybody along the front can be on the same page. Um, And then uh, from there, he has to uh, make an additional call depending on the play called, but uh, he has to make uh, one more call um, that sets the play up to where we're going uh, based on the information that we see from the sideline. Uh, so certainly he has uh, he has a big job uh, above and beyond just snapping the ball. There's a lot of things that have to go on uh, before he puts his hand on the ball and snaps the ball. And then he has to know whether he's whether quarterback is is underneath or whether he's in the gun because it's a different uh, handle on the ball uh, depending on the situation whether we're underneath or the quarterback standing five yards behind him. So uh, it's a it's a it's a big role. Um, it's a role that uh, you know. You know, with him growing pains as a redshirt freshman um, that he's going to go through, but um, I can't think of a better person for that job that I know can do it. Um, as explosive an athlete that kid is, uh, as blue-headed, we call blue-head, he's just a calm kid. Um, he doesn't let bad plays affect him, affect the, the future plays. You know, he, he kind of has that, um, that reset button, you know, where he knows that he's going to do better the next play. So, uh, really excited about... Uh, him and and uh, his growth and I'm really excited to see how much he grows throughout this season just got to keep him healthy
1: is his weight where you want it what, what would be the ideal weight for cam
5: you know I don't know uh with cam uh you know especially with the the things that he has had to deal with from a health standpoint um you know cam is about 280 285 right now um certainly uh you know, if we can get him up towards the 300 mark, be great. But uh, we don't want uh, to affect. We don't want his weight to affect his uh, his explosiveness, his explosive power, his uh, quickness off the ball, uh, and then above and beyond all of those things, his his overall health. We want to make sure that he's healthy at the weight that he's carrying. And right now, he carries at 280, 285, pretty dang on well. He's very explosive with it. So um, you know, right now, he's at the marker we want him at. We don't. We don't see his weight being a hindrance. Certainly, it's always good as a beefy guy to have more weight on you, uh, if you can, if your frame can hold it. And his frame can hold it; it can hold it. But incrementally, a year ago, you know, Cam was 250 pounds. Right. You know, so he's make it, made a commitment to get bigger. You know, uh, in a you know year's time, uh, and his frame. You know, he's a 280 pound kid, and he looks about 260 pounds. Right. You know, yeah. so he's a lean kid by nature. Uh, holds it really well, we just don't want to push the envelope too much uh, and put him in health risks.
1: Greg Austin is with us, Husker Offensive Line Coach. Phone lines are open for you at 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. You mentioned Trent Hickson. Walk on, put on scholarship by Coach Frost about a month ago and says he'll be on scholarship the rest of the time he's here in Lincoln. When did he get on your radar screen? How, How soon did you notice Trenton going... It's a guy that may be able to help us a lot.
5: Yeah, when we arrived here, Trent was a tackle. They played him at tackle. We knew he was a walk-on uh, from Omaha scut uh, there, and uh, obviously in Omaha. But and uh, you know, we, we saw some flashes, you know, from him when we when we just arrived here in spring ball, and, and Coach Frost <laughs> kept on mentioning his name, like, man, who is that kid? Who is this seventy-five kid? Who is this kid? Who is this kid? And and, and sure enough, you know, he uh, he just kept on flashing and. Um, You know, certainly we had some seniors in front of him last year, and and he was a you know a backup last year. But um, all throughout last year, just kept on getting better. Uh, We moved him from tackle to guard because athletically, that's where um, his best fit is um, as a guard inside. So you know, throughout spring ball, we were really we really wanted to find the answer to the left guard position. You know, because that was a position that was um, uh, open. Uh, with the departure of Gerald Foster and uh, and, and you know, so we, we tried Trent at that position. We actually tried Bo to see if Bo could, you know, make the transition from right guard to left guard and, you know, tried to see what he could do over there. Just trying to get all the, you know, the mixtures of, uh, the multiplicities of things, you know, that could, uh, from our lineup that we wanted. Uh, and Trent merged as the, the best guy for that position. Um, Game one was a, an eye-opening game for him. Um, it was his first start, his first real playing time, and you know it looked as that on the film. And uh, you know you can tell things settled down game two for him. And I thought he did a good job making that jump um, from South Alabama to Colorado. Really looking forward to his progress and seeing uh, how he progresses throughout this year as well.
1: Work ethic good for Trent. Oh yeah,
5: yeah. He's he's going to be a hard worker. I mean Trent. <laughs> Give you a story, Trent. On Wednesday, you know, worked his tail off so much. I mean, he was throwing up in the stands, you know. So uh, that's the type of person that you're that you're gonna get with Trent. Wow. You're gonna get you're gonna get everything, all of the effort, um, all of his grit, um, and, that, and that's what's made Trent Trent. Um, when I when I played here, man, I played with some some awesome players but I also played with some some really tough walk on kids you know some kids that came in and earned their stripes and, and and you know really to me they were the 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 grit of the program mm-hmm. especially my first year being here with coach Solich and um, you know Trent really epitomizes that that walk on mentality come in and you know do your job earn your stripes and lo and behold you know um, his opportunity has come sooner than than most in the walk on program um, more of a reflection of our of our roster but nevertheless he's in the position and he's um, you know he's he's holding it down right now What was
1: that day like for him and for you when he was told he was getting put on scholarship?
5: you know I kind of cried a little bit you know I kind of teared up a little bit um, I always enjoy seeing guys come someplace come somewhere or really come from somewhere get an opportunity like he has, maximized the opportunity, do well in school, be a good teammate, do everything that the coaches are asking you to do, be an awesome coachable kid, be um, a great man of Nebraska football, Um, and, and, you know, to see the fruits of his labor rewarded in a scholarship, man, that was, you know, that's what this deal's about, you know, and that's what, you know, generally speaking, that's what life's about you know, going in and, mm-hmm. and, and and working your tail off and 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 earning your keep, um, and, and and I won't go off on a tangent about that, but um, that's what I want our program to be about. I know what that, I know. That's what Coach Frost wants this program to be about. Coming in and and earning it. You know, you don't just win on Saturdays. You got to earn your wins. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the manifestation of practice that happened throughout the week is what happens on Saturday, and uh, you got to earn it. But you don't earn it on Saturday. You earn it during the week. And uh, Trent, uh, with you know, with, with what he's done, being in our program, um, has earned uh, his way. Uh, to getting his financial his school financially paid for it's
1: a big deal teammates excited for him i'm sure oh yeah that happened yeah
5: yeah they're they're excited they were um you know the whole line you know they oh yeah it's a group It's a family you know they they're like okay trent you know now next dinner's on you you know <laughs> i'm sure so it's like well he, he didn't he just earned a scholarship he didn't get paid <laughs> he didn't get paid. <laughs> yeah so but um uh, no they they keep it light and um they were happy for him that's a that's a great story
1: the run game has been kind of hit and miss the first two weeks. What have you seen out of the running game as you go back and break down the tape the last two weeks?
5: Well, we got to, you know, do a better job of um, hitting our blocks and finishing our blocks. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Uh, um, I think uh, our, our the cohesion of the running backs to the offensive line, we need to continue to work, you know, uh, them knowing the blocking patterns and seeing the holes and us making sure that we're uh, establishing those holes exactly where we anticipate they're going to be. Uh, and uh, and I think that uh, put a, a big, giant step forward this week uh, in practice and, and really looking forward to you know, seeing what it looks like here on Saturday.
1: Sacks sometimes can be an indication of an offensive line. Sometimes they're not. What did you see, I think, caught around that I ended up with six for the game
5: as you yeah i recorded that. i ended up recording three of them two of them were uh issues where we just didn't get off the ball and uh and we addressed those um one time we weren't we, were, we weren't ready uh and and you know the guy got, got we got edged um, outside uh, and the other one was, it was just urgency out of our stance and you know um you know, a couple plays, they ran the same exact stunt. We got out of our stance, and we were you know, great with it. But uh, it's it's just, you know, guys understanding um, the urgency of the game and uh, and, and moving, you know. Uh, we were on a different count, different snap count, uh, but crowd noise and all that stuff does not affect how we get off. We got to get off and, and, and get moving and, and uh, cover up these guys in, in, in protection. Um, we got overall better in protection. Um, and and just from fall camp all the way leading up to game one and game two but um, i think adrian uh, needs to be more comfortable back there uh, in that pocket so certainly the first first drive of the game um, guys gave him ample time and he delivered the ball uh, a deep ball to jd uh, and uh, those are the plays that you that you hang on to and 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 you look at and and you you know kind of dissect and see okay why you know, how are we able to, to provide that much protection and can we replicate that, uh, those plays more and more and more often?
1: We've had calls during the week about adjustments. People are like, well, it sure looks like Colorado adjusted a lot more than the Huskers did in that second half. Did they do much different in
5: the second half? You know, honestly, it was about production. It was about efficiency. And uh, we just, you know, honestly, we had the same plays. We had the same exact plays. They didn't do – too much different we we just did not make the plays that we needed to make you know the plays that were there in the first half that we made in the same exact situations they weren't made in the second half and um that's what it boils down to and, and mainly what I'm talking about the third quarter um in the third quarter we weren't making the plays that uh, we had made in the first half, in the first half and that's the whole offense uh, the, the offense as a whole so uh, we own it and um, like I said, we moved on and uh, certainly practice was an indicator of that throughout the week.
1: First segment, I talked to you a lot about the two newbies along that offensive line and, and Cam Jurgens and Trent Hicks and You had three guys who played an awful lot of football here. Your two tackles and Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniak and Bo Wilson. How about their games and what's still left in there? Is there still more ceiling available to all three of those guys?
5: Yeah, there's more ceiling available to all of them. Um, all of them are talented kids. Uh, and, you know, all of them are <laughs> juniors at, at most. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, both of the tackles are, are – are, well, all three of those guys are juniors, They're right? All three, yeah. Uh yeah. High is a true junior. But, um, you know, I'm always looking for more. And, and they'll tell you, you know, uh, maybe it's, you know, uh, better hands, uh, better eye discipline, uh, better consistent footwork, uh, getting your hands up better, you know, uh, putting your body in better positions, uh, keeping the power-producing angles in your body – Especially when you're fatigued, you know, Uh, and the biggest thing for those juniors, you know, while we don't have any seniors with the exception of Christian Gaylord, who we, you know, um, unfortunately lost to a knee injury earlier in camp. uh, Those guys are they have to take an intangible leadership role, you know, and um, certainly Matt Farniak has done the best job of it. uh, But, you know, when Matt's down or when Matt's, you know, not filling up, you know, who's the next guy? And uh, and 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 Bo and, and Hymas have, you know, they've emerged a little bit. But I want I'm asking more. I'm asking more of those guys. Um, Bo and uh, Matt Forniak, they have a, a good connection over there on the right side. Um, they, you know, certainly we we ran that power with Adrian later on in the game at the five yard line. I think it was what fourth and one, and we ended up scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew exactly where we were going to go um, because of those guys and, and how well they work alongside each other. Uh, Brendan and Trent are still working alongside each other, getting that cohesion that they need to have uh, as guard and tackle. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what you see also glaring from the film in the run game as well. You know, uh, those guys' combination blocks, they're, they're made what we call made blocks in the zone scheme. You know, those things take time. And um, when you, you know, put two new guys together, whether it be the center and the guards, or the guards and the tackles, you know that's going to take some time to get done and you know, when they're working their tails off to get it done.
1: Right now though, let's talk to Teddy. He's originally from
0: New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune.
1: Thursday nights, we get a chance to, to head Chicago and talk with Teddy Greenstein, who, if I remember right, you, uh, you home-based it last week. You didn't venture out and go see a game. You just plopped in front of the TV all day, correct?
4: It is, Greg. That is the truth, and man, it is so nice sometimes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we get into this business to actually witness games and to be there and all that stuff, but You know, after uh, schlepping out to Stanford and then Louisville a couple days later the weekend before, it was pretty awesome just to take it in. And, look, I'd say the two most interesting games I saw were Army-Michigan and uh, Nebraska-Colorado. Both came down to the wire. Both were interesting. And... uh, you know, both went against what I was hoping would happen in some games. <laughs> three,
1: three overtime games in the league last week. Minnesota also went OT. They, they and Michigan survived. The Huskers did not.
4: Yeah, that, that Minnesota game was amazing. You know, I was watching it because um, usually overnight Saturday I file um, Big Ten power rankings. So we were all set on 13 and the 14, and I'm watching Minnesota, and I had definitely predicted that, you know, Fresno at home, uh was gonna be able to take him down and i don't know if you saw the end of it but you know minnesota seemingly is kind of choking right at the end and they end up with a fourth and 13 and they got just the most perfect pitch and catch you've ever seen uh to force overtime and then obviously they win it uh you know when winfield comes out of nowhere to make the pick so a pretty amazing day for uh the big 10 uh definitely bummer about nebraska and uh, man, did Michigan look crummy! But uh, here we go, another uh, another week coming up.
1: Yeah, have some boo birds out at the big house uh, during that yeah. game. Well, did you get a chance to to watch Urban Meyer
4: on his in his new gig? I did. Now, you know, I'm probably a little biased because I'm I, I'm one of the few people in the media who like him. I mean, I've known him since 1996 when he was the receivers coach at Notre Dame, and I was a 23 year old kid covering the Irish um, so it, it's not like we're, we're besties or anywhere close but we've always kept in touch and I've written about him over the years but honestly I don't think you have to be biased at all to, to watch this new Fox pregame show and think that he's really good at what he's doing uh, he made a, a lot of interesting points you know Brady Quinn and Matt Leiner the former quarterbacks were both kind of whining about how unfair it is if you're a starting quarterback and you have to look over your shoulder and Urban comes in and he says Hey, tailbacks have to look over their shoulder. There's competition, uh, especially if you're not protecting the football. Uh, so, Irvin had no problem playing two guys. You know, plus he was very straightforward. He said part of why he played Tate Martel last year is because he's worried about the transfer portal, and, and that's why you gotta keep you know a couple of guys happy. Now, so he made a really good point on that one, and uh, definitely, uh, you know, his comments foreshadowed the problem that Michigan had. I mean, he basically said that. You know, when he was at Ohio State or Florida, he made sure they never played the service academies or Georgia Tech because of just what a pain in the butt it is. And, uh, you know, Michigan was one play away from losing the Army as a 22-point favorite. So he he, he predicted those, and he also said Joe Burrow was going to have a huge game against Texas for LSU, and that happened as well. Boy, he,
1: Burrow was fantastic in that LSU victory in Austin. All right, uh, do you think he coaches again, or do you think he, he's found a niche that he'll just settle into?
4: I'm going to say it's 60-40 that he coaches against. So I think it it depends on two things. One, how much fulfillment he gets out of broadcasting. And I think he absolutely is uh, enjoying it right now. Um, But, you know, you do it four, five, six, seven, eight years, I think it becomes kind of repetitive. So I think that'll you know, that'll be a shelf life. And then the real big question is, how is his health? I mean, it was so bad last year, Greg, I don't know if you recall this, that after a couple of the Ohio State's victories, he could not even address the team. He was basically in a dark room taking painkillers. So, um, you know, he's got this issue with cysts in his brain. And uh, I don't know if technology is going to get to the point where he never has to worry about it again. But uh, that is some serious stuff, man. And, and probably the worst thing for that is a high-pressure job. So um, we'll see if Notre Dame opens. I think that would be the one that would really tempt him.
1: Yeah, it's a, no doubt it's a stressful job being a head coach of a major program like Florida or Ohio State that he was. Remind me, was he on Bob Davey's staff at Notre Dame? Was Urban? He
4: sure was. Yeah, he sure was. And I actually ended up writing about it. Bob this week, as you know, New Mexico is playing at Notre Dame and, and Bob has had his own massive health scare. You know, he wouldn't exactly tell me what happened, but he said he was going from the locker room, sang the fight song and as walking to his press conference after they beat Sam Houston State in the opener. And then he said, I went down. And the next thing he knew, knew he was in a hospital. And I mean, some people have described it to me like it was pretty close to life and death. He wouldn't confirm that. He really wouldn't get into it. But it's obviously serious enough that he's going to stay back and not go to the game on Saturday, which really sucks for him because, I mean, the reason this game was created uh, was because Bob Davey coached at Notre Dame. He didn't have a great tenure. He was okay. He was 35-25. and Uh, He was put in a tricky spot trying to succeed Lou Holtz. Uh, a couple nine-win seasons, but he only lasted five. But uh, unfortunately that he can't be there Saturday. I'm actually going to be covering that game. Not not so much because I'm thinking it'll be a close game, but Notre Dame is at Georgia next week. So I want to hear what the guys are, are, are saying about that heading in.
1: Yeah, well, Teddy Greenside with us from the Chicago Tribune. We talk to him each and every Thursday night. Well, the Huskers this week play a team from your neck of the woods, Northern Illinois. And uh, if, if Twitter is correct, you did something on, on NIU this week.
4: Twitter would never lie, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's legit. So, you know, I, I was looking at what I wanted to write this week, and obviously Northwestern hasn't played since uh, the Stanford game. Not much going on there. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't played since the Louisville game, and I wrote about Bob Davies. So I'm thinking, what else can I do? So I contacted Northern Illinois, and I said, hey, can you give me kind of like a behind-the-scenes, all-access kind of look as you prepped for Nebraska? And they said yes. And, and that's really cool because the old coach there was a guy named Rod Carey. who was pretty close off. And then um, the new guy, guy named Thomas Hammock, who was a running back there, uh, just 38 years old. You know, the last five years, he's been coaching for John Harbaugh with the Ravens. Um, but an NIU alum who made it clear all through his coaching career that that is his dream job. So he was really open to me, man. So I got out there about 8 in the morning at Cal, which is almost two hours away, and um, let me in the meetings, let me uh, – I mean, I'm in there on these offensive meetings when they're discussing all the short yardage play calls. They're going to have Saturday. So those guys have a lot of trust in me, man. So uh, I definitely won't burn them. But it's a a program that thrives on – you know, having a chip on its shoulder. And their, their program motto is the hard way. So they feel like even though they've been to 10 bowl games in the last 11 years, they're 4-2 in their last six games against the Big Ten, you know, it's Northern Illinois. There's not a lot of respect there. There are probably only fifteen or 20,000 people when they go to the game. So they have to perform well at places like Nebraska to get any kind of national respect.
1: Well, they certainly have. They've gotten a bunch of big tw- ten scalps uh, in the last few years. How you doing in your picks this year? Did you ba- Did you have a good week? What was the week like? Uh, yes.
4: Last week was was a problem. Four nine and one. Just that's just unacceptable. I mean I gotta uh I gotta make myself run laps to do push ups or something like that. You know, this week it it's strange. You know, last week I went for like almost all underdogs, thought, Oh, this is how the pros do it, you know, they go for the underdogs where it's just a uh, mokes take all the favorites but it turns out most of the favorites were good last week like Wisconsin and Indiana and Ohio State you know those kind of teams that I got burned on so I do my picks this week and somehow I'm still picking all all of the all the underdogs I guess I have a soft spot for the little guys so i do like ohio state to cover that 17 against indiana but then i like Pitt plus the points uh i'll take eastern michigan plus seven and a half over illinois uh definitely unlv plus 18 and a half against northwestern because we know northwestern cannot play home games in september against non-big ten teams they're just the worst and um you know, what else am I looking at? Certainly going to take NIU plus 14 at Nebraska. Although, obviously, I don't have to tell you, Nebraska plays better under the lights um, in Lincoln. So we'll see how that one pans out.
1: How how you, how you picking the Iowa-Iowa State matchup? That one's got my interest.
4: My man, I am. That is a total coin flip Woo! for me. Yeah. I know. I, you know I was reading I've been reading about some trends and Matt Campbell has done you know really well in revenge games and is better at home and they've obviously got game day that's one of those deals where I would not put one dollar I ended up picking the Cyclones um you know being home and it's probably a case where I was not quite as good as it looked but uh I don't know what your take on that game is man I it could go either way
1: I. Right, that's a stay away game that's what that
4: is. <laughs> right? I mean, you yeah, know, I, don't to don't like touch that, that it'll thing. It'll probably come down to the final play, and the people who, you know, win, won money will be bragging, but it'll be one of those where it's just one final play determines it. And uh, that's, how, that's how it seems like half these games are. I mean, I look at last week. It's like, you want to say, you know, people who – took Fresno made a bad pick. I mean, they probably should have won that one. There were a bunch of uh, a bunch of close ones like that and I'm sure Iowa, Iowa State's going to be the same thing. Yeah,
1: good stuff. All right, well, enjoy the week. We'll talk again next Thursday. Thanks so much, Greg. Be well. Kind of a fresh
2: feel out there with a new head coach, Will Bolt. Yeah, sure is. He's uh, obviously started the the fall campaign today with the fall practices and had a chance to sit down with him earlier before practice got started and a lot that he's been through in the last few months I asked him how good it felt to just put the coach hat on for a while and, and do what he was brought here to do.
6: Yeah it feels good to be thinking about baseball um, just a lot of stuff with um, juggling the recruiting and getting to know our players this summer and the guys that are on campus the incoming freshmen and Buying and selling houses and getting families moved, so um, be able to kind of be out in our sanctuary, which is the baseball field, uh, feels feels great.
2: How has it been being a, a head coach the last few months? I mean, you've been an assistant for so for so long, and I know you know going back to your Texas Arcana days, but you know at this level, all the other stuff that comes with being a coach. How, how have you kind of embraced that part?
6: Yeah, there's, you know, you you start to wear a few more hats, but you also kind of get even more of an appreciation for all the support that we do have in terms of people that are readily available to help with from Renee to Curtis Ledbetter to Tanner Lubach to, you know, all the support staff, Katie Jewell, the people across the street, um, just kind of making sure that things kind of help. Run smoothly. It's a lot different than the last time when I was a head coach at Texarkana Junior College, where I had to wear all the hats and do everything. So, that kind of gives you even more of an appreciation for all the support that we have.
2: There's a lot I want to get to asking you, but let's just start with your staff and how you guys have meshed. You brought in, you brought Jeff back, you brought Lance and, and Danny, um, you know, back as well. You got some Nebraska guys mixed in. How have, how have they kind of, you know, embraced this Nebraska thing and and gotten used to, you know, what it's going to be like here.
6: Yeah, it's been it's been great. The uh, best way I would describe our staff is we're like family. We've um, I coached both Jeff and Lance um, a long time ago when they were playing, and um, we've coached together at different stops in the past. And um, our families know each other really well. And then uh, Danny Marcuso, he he crossed paths with Jeff uh, down at Central Oklahoma, uh, and he came highly recommended to me from a lot of people that I really trust, including Jeff, of course, and. It's a bonus that he's from Omaha, um, grew up in the state. He's got strong ties to the Jayhawk League and in, in the Midwest, and so um, you know, as far as the staff, you know, meshing, um, it's been it's been great.
2: The other part to this and it's a pretty dang big part is getting to know your players and and you know, i know they were all playing summer ball and some of them were getting getting healthy and you know you had to start establishing that relationship with your players and your assistants as well how has that part gone of just you know being real and being yourself and, and teaching them you know what what new husker baseball is going to be about
6: yeah it's been it's been fun uh, like i said we had a few guys that were here, unfortunately, in the summer, either rehabbing injury. Um, some guys that were playing summer ball close by that I got to meet. There are probably about 10 or 12 that I got to meet right away that were here in the area. And then about a month later, we had the 11 newcomers, the freshmen coming in uh, for summer summer school. Uh, really kind of need to see them over the course of six weeks um, kind of come out of their shell a little bit and be a little bit more comfortable and and then having a lot of the guys come back after summer balls just kind of meeting three different waves of of players and um they've been great as far as um kind of just diving head first with everything we've asked them to do and um You know, it's just been, you know, there's probably a little more familiarity with them than than maybe they even know because we follow the program, you know, from afar as well. So um, it's been it's been a really fun process getting to know these kids.
2: They have a lot to learn from you, but you have a lot to learn from them as well of, of what they can do and what the, the attitude of this team's going to be. They haven't even had their first practice yet. But what have you made of, of what this team's kind of characteristics are and I, I suppose leadership, you're not going to know that until later on, but just you know their makeup.
6: Yeah, the makeup is it seems like the guys at the top of our roster have been some of the hardest workers and that's what you want. That's what you, any great team has that where it feels like the the best players on your team are some of the hardest workers. and. Um, I mean like I said they've done everything we've asked them to do and then some um, they've embraced the things we've asked them to to do at this point and and now we get to go do the baseball part and kind of see how some different guys deal with different stress levels and dealing with success dealing with failure so um, it'll be a a fun process.
2: This is a pretty unique situation for you usually when a new coach is brought in the the old coach was let go and they want to kind of change the culture it's not really the case here with Coach Erstad where where do you suppose the culture was at like when you walk in and see how the players work and, and that type of thing and 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 what direction you want to take it i mean i guess it's a unique it's a unique part to have kind of a, a culture already in place that you're familiar with
6: yeah and you know having been here five short years ago you know i, I kind of see a lot of the things that it started develop in 2011 and um this program's always been built on hard work um it's been a regional program you know now for a year um and can, kind of the next step the things we keep talking to the players about is like you know there's a there's a difference between being a regional level team and a team that's going to compete to win a regional and, and have a chance to go to Omaha and they had that taste a little bit last year with being so close you know having a chance to go 2-0 in that regional and um it's a pretty fine line so I've seen a lot of guys that are very hungry they're humble, hard workers, um, you know, and a lot of the things that we're asking them to do are things that they've already done in the past.
2: You uh, at Texas A&M, you guys had a, a tough loss, just like we did at Nebraska, and by the way, we still not over that loss with Oklahoma State. How have you seen the players kind of respond from that, that you were just talking about, about being hungry and, and not being satisfied, but using that just devastating moment to kind of fuel them?
6: Yeah, you just you kind of learn from your past experiences. And I think a lot of the guys that were here and there's I think there's 25 guys that were on the team last year that are back. And just having been through that, it kind of gives you a little bit more fuel maybe um, in the off season and uh, but again, this is a new year, a new team. Um, regardless of how many guys are back, it's a new team. So uh, we're going to start kind of writing the pages of what our you know future is going to be here. And It starts today at practice.
2: Yeah, I was just about to say you're laying the blueprint right now. Of what you want to see in the spring? What uh, what do you want? I mean, out of your first one, you ever. This is new for every single person here.
6: Yeah, from, from the standpoint of the fall, we're in evaluation mode as coaches, um, even though we do have a little bit of a head start, kind of knowing some of these guys falling from afar. And then we've had since August 28th that we've kind of been able to do some baseball stuff. Again, we're talking about game situations, feel guys have on the bases defensively, on the mound, you know, who handles stress, who you know, just from those type of things. So we're really in evaluation mode this fall maybe a little bit different than in you know the years to come where we're going to be just doing a lot of evaluating and and those kind of things so um, it'll be exciting to kind of see what we have at the end of six weeks
2: where are we at health wise i mean i don't want you to feel obligated to tell us guys that are on the shelf but how did we make it out of summer ball and i know some guys were we're kind of rehabbing when you got here how do you feel about the health of the team coming into fall
6: um we're a little banged up we got a couple guys out on the mound um we've got a a couple infielders that are dinged up a little bit but um you know nothing that we can't get through get over maybe it'll shorten some of the scrimmages early um i think we're probably only going to be able to go two days a week at the at the start of the fall but then as kind of we get going and guys start to build up uh, maybe we'll extend the, the scrimmages a little bit but all in all um Definitely have a lot of good, healthy players and ready to get going.
2: The freshmen, this is going to be completely new for them. It was always interesting here from Coach Erstad the first few days of practice with these freshmen, you know, trying to go out and be Mike Trout and be be all stars. But what are you expecting out of these guys, you know, just to to get comfortable with their new teammates and what college baseball is all about?
6: Yeah, and one of the messages we're going to give to them today is be the best version of yourself. Um, If you can kind of just harness that. And like you said, not try to be Superman, not try to be Mike Trout or Barry Bonds or Nolan Ryan or whoever, you know, insert name, but just go be the best version of yourself. And if you can kind of show up and do that, know what your role is, know what your strengths are and do those things every day, you've got a chance to have uh, sustained, consistent success. And so if we get a bunch of individual players to do that um, and just keep punching the clock every day, then you're going to have a chance to have good, uh, consistent team success
2: you're back in the Big Ten now, and you've been kind of dabbling in recruiting the last few months. What has it been like compared to maybe what you thought recruiting to this conference compared to where you've been?
6: No, I mean, really, it's just a different part of the country. And so we've been... Uh, prioritizing a lot of the in-state kids and the surrounding areas, um, you know making some inroads of the junior college coaches and, and those kind of things. So um, you know the, the blueprints there for kind of the roster makeup with what can be a college World Series type team. Um, those players, a lot of them exist in a, a really small radius from Lincoln, Nebraska. So um, you know we've just been doing a lot of that over the course of the last two months.
2: Coach, thanks for sitting down with us. Good luck this fall. Keep him healthy. We'll see you out the field real soon.
6: Okay, thank you. appreciate it. All
2: right, so Ben and Nate tomorrow night here on the
1: program. That'll do it for tonight. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Tim, to Mick. Man, it takes, it takes an army to put this show on every night. We've got it for you. Have fun. Talk to you again from the stadium on Saturday. Good night.